one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day,
there's a get-to-know-you card right on the front if you want to fill it out. Go read some of your family and papers. <laughs> And he said he hit that culvert, and his tire, he bounced right up over it. 
did some damage to the car, obviously he's a little sore and whatnot. But he said as people passed by, he got out of the car, airbags were deployed, right? I'm not mistaken. He said as people passed by, they couldn't even tell he was in an accident because the side that was facing the road was fine. And I'm sitting, he said, but a couple inches, if that tire would have went down a couple inches further, he wouldn't have bounced over the car. He would have ran smack into it to a dead stop. And so I'm sitting here thinking about this during worship today. And I'm thinking that God is so good. Right? He knows the end from the beginning. And he knew Brother Rick was going to have an accident. And he saved his life. I just It hit me that today could be a whole different day. If the Lord hadn't intervened. If the Lord hadn't taken steps. And so I want to just the little things, right? We don't feel it because it didn't happen. You know, he's, he's still here. It didn't happen. So we don't feel that hurt or pain. But we need to recognize what the Lord saves us from. I didn't know before I met Jesus what he had saved me from. But after I met him, I looked back and said, my goodness, how many times did I put myself in harm's way? Or did the enemy lay a trap for me? And the Lord totally pulled me out, right? And he put up that hedge of protection. When the enemy came in like a flood, the Lord raised up the standard against him, right? He saved him. Yes. He saved Brother Rick, and I'm glad you're here today. We <laughs> have continued prayer for him. He is healing up and whatnot. But we're going to continue to give the Lord glory. Glory in okay. How many of you know that most of the time, if not all the time, the Lord deals with us on matters of the heart, right? Most of the time when the Lord tells us to do something or say something or uh, an act that we're to carry out, He's dealing with the heart. Your money is no different. The Lord doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. And so when we give offering and tithe and things like that, that's exactly what it is. It's an offering. And the Word tells us that He loves a cheerful giver. Not one who gives begrudgingly or out of necessity, right? We all deal with that begrudgingly, but sometimes I think, and I'll speak for myself, we forget about the part of necessity. I can tell you that most of the time when I when I bring the tithe or, or offer it to the house, I'm not angry about it. I'm not, you know, just take it. You know? So I think we deal with begrudgingly, okay. But I think we forget about the part of necessity because sometimes to me, I have to get out of bill mode. Right? That's the part the Bible talks about being necessity. Well, I'm giving this because I have to give it. I'm not angry about it, but I'm doing it because I have to. That's the necessity part. So I'm going to pray today that the Lord deals with our heart on the part about necessity. Where when you go through your paycheck or your bills or whatever, you're not saying, oh, there's a bill, there's a bill, there's my tithe. That's a bill, there's a bill. It's not like that. It's Lord can't wait to bring my portion to the storehouse so that you can put it to use and make it work. Right? Let's get to that point because money is just paper. Amen? God is dealing with matters of the heart. So let's not go through our whole lives worried about that necessity part. Amen? All right. Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts or continue to grow our hearts in love with you. I pray that you separate that tie that money seems to have on the earth from our hearts. I pray that we are truly cheerful givers 
that we know that you have saved us. You've dealt with our heart on salvation. You've dealt with our heart on uh, gifts of the Spirit. And so you are dealing with our heart on money all the same. Pray that our heart is right toward you. That you would come and move in our hearts, God, to be more for you. That it would be easy and cheerful. You've given us so much. Everything I have is because you've given it to me. Pray that you use your offer, use this time, put it to good use as you do everything in your kingdom, and let it flourish for your kingdom in Jesus' name. And bring that on down if you have it today. I love to see the church. Every time I 
doing, not just in you as people in your building. There's always something new happening. I told Ashley this morning, I said, I didn't think it was more possible for this church to feel like a home. It's just so homey. I love it, and I love all of you, and it's a beautiful community that you have. It just is. So I'd like, if it's all right before we get started, I'd just like to pray for Pastor and Kyle and his wife. Can we do that? I just want them to be totally refreshed. Amen? Father, we just come before you, and we'll be lift up Pastor Kyle and Margo to you. And Father, I know they're out visiting Ryan and but Father, I ask you, Lord, right now, just restore them, Father. Refresh them, Father. Reunite them, Father, as husband and wife. And Father, give them those family moments that they so need, those long conversations with their son that I know Kyle longs for while he's hiking, Father. Just give them an experience, Lord, where they remember you. Meet them where they are, God, that they could just have a moment with you and bring them back to us safe and sound and ready to preach and do what they can do. Amen. Amen. All right, so today I have a word for you that I if I would have heard at an earlier age and could have grasped it, my spirit would have been open to hear and apply what I have heard, that my life could have been changed and transformed much quicker and much easier. Now you say, why is that important? Well, I'm telling you that because I believe that today we're closer than we've ever. My grandmother said it when I was two. She said it when I was three. She said it when I was five. Until the day she died. Child, are you ready? Because the Lord could come back tonight when you're asleep. I'm reminding you that there is a second coming. And he is coming for a church. Without spot or without blemish. And that's going to be you and I. There's a remnant that he's coming for. And I want to be in that remnant. Amen. I don't want to be left sleeping and not be aware of what's happening in his last day. So as we're here today, I would ask that if you've heard this word, or you think you've heard it before, I ask that you would please put those aside and receive the word today with a readiness in your heart. That you could apply and go and do what I'm asking, and what the word of God is instructing us to do. I think it will be life-changing for you. Alright? So with all that being said, I'm going to teach a very simple message today, and it's going to be on seeds. Do I have any farmers in the house today? Any people that literally farm crops? All right, and I'm going to have to give some illustrations. I'm just going to let you know. In Watkins, we still have a few farmers. I'm just going to be honest with you. And if you show up on a really good day, you might even get some whole farmers that are cleaning out their troughs. Just letting you know, my dad calls that fresh country air. We all choke. He likes it. He was raised on the farm. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. This is going to begin to set up some foundation of our scripture, or our, for our message today. I'm going to give you some scripture today. I'm reading most of the time through the NIV. If I quote something, I might quote it out of the King James Version, just because I was raised in a KJV family. But I like to read and preach out of the NIV, so work with me a little bit. All right, so Isaiah 55, it starts with verse 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So it's the Lord telling us these things. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. So that it yields seed for the sower, 
Who's the sower in this scripture? That's you and I. You and I are the sower. And God's providing seed for you and I and bread for its eater. You're also the eater. Now, we're obviously, this is about farming. This is about wheat that God brings down the rain and the snow and that it cannot, it cannot come down and stop one inch from the ground and return back to him. Because when he sent forth his word, he said that when the rain would come, it would water the earth. It's going to do what he says it's going to do. Has anyone ever seen rain not hit the ground and do what it's asking? Neither have I. Neither have I. Waiting for it. And if that's true, God's coming back more than I thought. And that would mean that God failed. We know that's not true. So, in the next verse. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Okay, then. But will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So we see here that the word seed and word, the word of the Lord, is seed to you and I. Yes, there's a literal term, but there's a spiritual meaning to the scripture that speaks to us. Do we really realize that everything we see, the tree to my right, the, the, the tree in the left over here, the grass that I see in this man's yard, do we really realize that the entire world was framed by God's word? The spoken word of God. Let there be dry land. And there was dry land. And let there be light. And there was light. And then I think I'll create man. And he created us. But this was words. So if we really, really, truly believe that the world was created by God's word, then why is it that when we look at the scripture and we read it, that we question God? When everything around us is literally alive and living, I don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I hope that tree grows. I hope it brings forth the acorns that's going to drop all over my yard. No, in fact, I'm going, oh my gosh, that thing is acorn season again. And we have to sweep all of that before we mow. We have to do all this work. Why? Because it's not going to do what God didn't purpose it to do. A seed sent forth will reproduce after its own kind. That's the point of a seed. So God's word is the same. We can look in John 1.1. This is what it says. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. What? You're looking at God. His word, his written word, this tells us everything about him. Do you understand that in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it says that this is living? This is alive. This is alive. And if it's activated, it can work for you. But if you don't believe it's alive, if you don't believe it's God himself right here speaking to you, and that what he speaks will go out and perform and do what it's called to do, you'll never receive anything. You'll never have seed to sow. You'll never receive what the seed was meant to give. Yet you'll go to the store and buy a loaf of bread. And you'll eat it and you believe that God provided the seed for that loaf of bread. But if it's something that you can't see, you struggle believing. You get it. We're trying to go with this. So here's the deal. A word that is not sown will not work. So, so let me, let me Joseph. Joseph, you look like a strong man. So I'm going to use you as my example today. 
today, okay? Excuse me if I hurt you, I don't mean to. So when a man or woman has a struggle in their life, this is what we should do. We should use the word of God in that situation. Be healed. Marriage get better. Children grow up good. I'm just going to keep beating you with the word of God. Did anything change in your life? Anything change? Did you get better? No. Oh, yeah. No, you didn't. But this is what a lot of us look like in the spirit realm. Well, I'm a Christian. Oh, I I, I, I pray that all the time. You can't use the word of God by just simply, oh, I just believe God's going to change my heart tonight when I sleep. If that worked, we'd all be sleeping with the Bible on our chest. It doesn't work if you don't use it. So here's what happens. A word unspoken is a word not sown. You ever seen a, a farmer not put seed in the ground and then come up with crops? No. The seed has to be put in the ground. These are the words of the Lord. These are seeds. The words that he spoke and put on paper for you and I are living, active words. You and I must begin to speak what is in the written word of God. But see, that would require that you and I would read what the words are saying. Yes. And that we would write them upon our hearts. Yes. And that we would begin to speak them in the midst of our trouble, rather than speaking the trouble. You hear that? Yes. Every word in this Bible, when you speak it, cannot go forth and not do what God commissioned it to do and return to you. Do you remember the scripture in the Bible that says, my word will not return unto me void? In other words, I'm not going to write you a check of healing, and then once you get that check, it's going to say, oh, I was just teasing. Void. That's not who God is. Now here's the struggle. We as a church want instant seed. We want instant response for sometimes what takes a little bit of a process. So when we don't get an instant Walmart response where we get our eyeglasses, our photography, our McDonald's, our regular food, and the, all that together, our pharmacy, when we don't get instant in season, then we get a little concerned because we've got to wait. Sometimes that's a little hard. Here's oftentimes our hearts and our minds. Now let me tell you this. We're going we're to talk about this today a little bit. Heart and mind. In the Bible, when it talks about oftentimes... In most scriptures that talk about the heart, it talks about the mind of man. Because the heart and the mind make up your soul. Okay, I have a spirit, I have a body, and I have a soul. In the will of man is where it lies. It's my mind and it's my heart. And my will is involved in my soul. Okay? So here's what happens. Oftentimes, because the enemy has sowed our minds and our eyes and our ears with all these different types of seeds or words that are not God, <coughs> we become lackadaisical in sowing our own seed. Because our hearts and our minds are filled with weeds of the enemy. Weeds. Literal untruths. Oh, if you speak that, you know it's not going to happen. You've prayed for that before and nothing changed. All he has to do is keep seeding. And then if he can get you to say it to your friend, oh, now you've got a frenzy of seed running. 
Because I'm going to tell you, weeds produce faster than a seed that has any value. How many of you got a garden? And you understand that when you plant a tomato plant, that's great. But come with it is a whole bunch of weeds. And it seems like those weeds, I don't even know what they are. They got thick stalks like this. I'm like, how did you get bigger than my tomato root? I don't even understand that. I'll tell you why. Because there's nothing good in you you're bearing. It's all garbage. What is good takes longer to grow than what is bad. It's just that simple. Because when it's bad, it doesn't have to bear anything good. So you and I, some of us, need a spiritual weed whacker to come into our hearts and our minds and weed whack out all the seeds that the enemy's planted in our minds. Because these seeds are what create the lackadaisical behavior of the believer who walks around with a bag of seed on their side but won't throw one on. You've got the ability to change every situation in your life, yet you won't do it. No, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's because doubt and unbelief has seeded your heart and your mind. And you've forgotten what it really means to hear the word of, the God, word of God. But I want to take you to Proverbs 4, 20, 23. And I want to teach you today about seed receptors. And these are important because if you know how your mind or how your, your life receives seed, you can stop receiving bad seed and you can replace it with good seed. But if you don't understand how it works, you don't realize where all the negative, negativity seed is coming from. And remember, seed's only purpose is to reproduce after its own kind. It's the only purpose. You plant me, I'm going to reproduce just what I am. Yeah. Moms and dads, what'd you do? Did you, did you reproduce something that looked like the mailman? <laughs> no. You reproduced something that looked like the two of you because that's all you could do. That's what's in you. That's what you have to give. So here's what it says. Proverbs 4, and we're going to start with 20. It says, my son and daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear unto my words. Your ears are seed receptors. They receive seed. Right now, you're receiving the Word of God, and it's going into your mind, through your ears, into your mind, and it's trickling down to your heart, and it's going to try to take root today. Okay? Do not let them out of your sight. Another seed receptor. Your eyes, do you understand what you see is a seed? And it says in Proverbs that your eyes are the window to your soul. Oh, you mean what I see has a direct connection right to my heart and my mind? And it can change me? Yeah. What if all you do is watch video games that kill and throw blood and gore everywhere? That becomes something normal to you. What if the only thing you view is pornography? And that pornography becomes the way you view intimacy. What if the only way you view, um, uh, well, we'll just leave that out. I'm not going to go there. Anyways, do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do. So is it probable to say everything I see, everything I hear, 
And everything or a thought that is put in my mind right now, I can show you um, a red Mustang 1968, and there are some of you that just saw that picture in your mind. Is that correct? Okay, what I did was I gave you a thought based on a picture that went through your ears, registered in your mind, you made it, and it hit your heart. For some of you, you went, oh, I remember. And it hit your heart. For some of you, you're like, who cares? I'm not saying how did not for me. The point is, I got to your mind and your heart. Whose job is it to keep the heart pure? You are the keeper of your heart. I can't keep what goes in your ears. I can't keep what goes in your eyes. And I can't keep what you allow to go through your thought center. Only you can. Do you realize that as a person, you probably have 80 to 90 interruptions an hour from the enemy who comes with a thought about what you really are? And that there's an inner dialogue in your mind? And you're either allowing that seed to go from your mind and take root in your heart, or you're ripping it out. How many of you this morning have ripped a bad thought out of your mind? Amazing. That's awesome. Good for you. I'm surprised. A lot of times I get zero response because they don't even realize that the thought is coming. You're aware that your receptors are turned on. So here's a, here's a story for you. Um, I'm avid uh, Netflix binger if I have time. So when I do laundry, I don't like to be alone. So I turn on a Netflix series. Or if there's something good on TV, like a um, three movies, like they made a one, two, and three, and it's like a marathon on the, on the Saturday, then I'll just watch that because I need just something playing, okay? So it kind of brainless activity. And so I turned on a series from Netflix. It's an old, old series, and we have Angel. So it takes all the cussing out, all sex scenes, like there's nothing crazy in it. So I went and put all my filters on, didn't think a thing about it. Well, I'm probably, I don't know, four or five movies in, don't think a thing about it. Go get up the next day, we have prayer at the church, so I must be doing it on Sunday or Monday. And Tuesday night, I walk into the church, you know, we're seeking and I walk into the church, and as soon as I hit our sanctuary doors, I hear the Lord say, give up that TV series. I, not understanding, had had a thought earlier in the day that was not my thought at all. I don't think like that. And I had identified, I'm like, devil, that's not me. That's a thought you just sent to me. I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, I cast down that thought, and I pick up the cross, and I gave it the scripture. Well, when I came in and touched those doors, the Lord had reminded me that you watched that show. And I thought, yeah, but there was no cussing or anything crazy the behavior of what was in this, it was a teen movie. Let me just say that. And nothing wrong with teen movies, right? Like, you're a teenager. You can think about things that women and married. I don't get to live a teenager's life anymore. I'm not a teenager. I'm 50 years old, for goodness sakes. Time to grow up. Pull on your big girl pants. You know what I'm saying? But it was just brainless activity. I wasn't even thinking. But God reminded me, listen to me. You can't do this. I don't want that stuff going in your ears. I don't want you to think that that's real life. This isn't my life for you. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. So I'm here to tell you that today, you need to start taking some inventory. What are you listening to in your car? What are you putting on your TVs? What are you allowing through podcasts, through YouTube, through video games? What are you allowing to 
receptors. Here's a struggle. It might not be bad, but it might not be God's best either. I'm not after what looks like a seed, but really a weed in my life. And the enemy can use this stuff, which you think is non-harmful. And before you know it, it's a doorway and a pattern to what the enemy can now use to get into your mind. <laughs> God wants this to sanctify us. So the what we receive in our mind and our heart is key. It's key. One thought of negativity, one thought of infidelity, left unchecked, can ruin your marriage. Can make you from a half cup full girl to a half cup empty guy. I'm just being real with you. Because the seed that you let in is going to do what? Reproduce. Reproduce, reproduce, reproduce. See, there's four ways that I told you what you hear. You realize that I could say something to you, and that goes in through your mind. Someone else could say something to you through a, a social platform. Let's just use social media. That's including television, radio. God can say something to you. And the enemy can say something to you. Right. But the enemy oftentimes mimics yourself to you. I'm going to talk to some of the ladies right now. You look in the mirror, or you come into church, and the first thing you do is the enemy says to you, or you say to yourself, because you allow it to be said, I'm just not as pretty as her. Oh, I wish I had what she had. You start comparing yourself woman to woman. Stop that behavior. You are fearfully and wonderfully made just the way you are. God knows every idiosyncrasy you have. He knows all your curves, all your lumps, all your bumps, all your imperfections, and all your perfections. He gets it all, and he said you're lovely. So who cares what anyone else says? Just accept yourself the way you are. And don't accept the enemy's lies that you're imperfect. We're all imperfect. <laughs> Just accept it. Don't receive what the devil's trying to sell you. That's right. Sooner or later, let's look at the mind as a seed hopper. How many of you have planted grass in your front yard? You got one of those little seed boxes, right? And you fill it with the seed. Be sure it's locked before you fill it or it will run out on the ground if it's been there. But there's a little turny thing in it. And you hold the handle and you push this little red button to your release. And then you walk around and you just do this. Right? Supernaturally, your mind is a seed hopper. All these seeds you hear, you see, you read, you hear at church, you think, the thoughts you allow, all load this seed hopper up. Load it to the top. <coughs> but when it gets full, sooner or later, that seed hopper has to be released. So here's what happens. Spiritually, you just start spewing. Now, you can spew good stuff or you can spew bad stuff. You can spew, but here's the problem. Whatever you load it with is what's coming out. Because the word says, in a man's heart, if you think it, so are you. So we know the heart's connected, but then it says, out of the heart doth the mouth speak. Ever been in a situation you wish you could have just ate what you said back so fast? You're like, oh my gosh, you can't believe people let that out. You want to know why you let it out? See how it's full. It's full of garbage. It's going to come out. <coughs> oh, I 
shouldn't have said that. Yeah, you're right. You want to know what that tells me? That's not the only seed in there. There's about 5,000 more of those wicked seeds that have been laying in there, and they've just come grown up big enough that now they've got to get out. And now, you, sometimes we don't have control over this. We wish we had control over the handle. But the problem is, is when the heart of man gets full, it's got to come out. So I would ask you that if you find yourself one, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Let that be a check to yourself that your house is full and not of the right seed, of the wrong seed. And we are the ones who have to keep our heart with diligence. We are the ones that have to keep the bad seed out and put only the good seed in. Now let me tell you this. It says Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. says a man's belly shall be satisfied. You ready for this? <laughs> By the fruit of his mouth. With the increase, the reproduction of seed. That's what that means. How does, how does a seed increase? It just reproduces. It's the way God made it. You put the seed on the ground, it's going to take root, it's going to grow. No matter what. You ever seen a little piece of grass growing in a rock this big? And you wonder how that seed had no other job but to find a place where you can get root and reproduce. Your only job is to reproduce. That's our lives. Here's what we do. It's that we will live by the fruit and the increase of his lips. Your belly shall be filled. What? What? You mean what I say will automatically grow and bring a satisfaction in my belly? Oh, yeah. You're going to be filled, whether you're filled with what you want or you're filled with what you don't want. Whatever you speak is what you get. See, because when you speak it, it goes out to fulfill itself. It goes out to fulfill itself. So when you look at yourself and say, I'm ugly, don't be expecting to feel prettier tomorrow. Because you're not. You're going to feel uglier. Don't when you say, men, you come home from work and say, you know what, my boss don't like me. I just can't get ahead without me. Tomorrow it's going to be worse than it was today. Amen. Because you just sowed it again. Amen. Start speaking light to that situation. Receive your employment situation. Receive your security, women. Don't set in security. Say, I'm going to be secure, and this is what the word of the Lord says about me. And don't receive <coughs> any other seed. Amen. And quit looking at causing problemizing. None of it's real anyways. <laughs> just being real with you. If all those women look like that, Lord Jesus, Eve women. There'd be more Eve's than just one. I believe she was the only perfect woman. Death and life lay within this tongue. Death and life, the word says. And we shall eat the fruit thereof. So if you don't want to eat defeat, you don't want to eat negativity, you don't want to eat a lack of God's favor, you don't want to eat sickness, then don't sow it. Amen. Don't sow it and don't receive the seed from the enemy saying that you are going to die young, that you're not going to live a long life. I hear somebody saying that right now. Right now, I'm telling you right now, generationally, you're not going to live like your father or your mother. You're not going to die early. You'll have a long life to live, and you shouldn't be fearful of what's to come. Start speaking life now. I've been given this many years. I will live and I will not die. I will see my generations, 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 if that's what it takes. Find scripture and begin to speak it. Do not live status quo and just take what the devil's going to give you. That will be a life that's short. I can look here. That, you know, we talk about, I know you guys have been talking about the Holy Spirit in the church and some of the fruits and the giftings that are going on. 
You know, when you live by the fruit of your mouth, these are fruits that are coming active. Remember, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are evidence, evidence, so this is love, joy, meekness, peace, all these good things, right? These are evidence that the Holy Spirit has been working in your life. There's no longer just a stalk of love, but there's evidence. There's a fruit of love. You can look at someone's life and say, oh my gosh, I want to love like they love. I saw them today reach out and I don't know that I could have done that. That is evidence that the Holy Spirit is working on somebody and that their life is growing and producing a fruit of love. You realize that there's fruits of the enemy. Hatred, racism, sexism, frustration, anger, guilt. All these things are what the devil's doing. Oh, and they're of a spirit, but they're not of the Holy Spirit. And there's a fruit that's growing in your life. And if you allow anger to be fed over and over, and you receive, oh, I just got a short wind. Oh, that fires me up when I hear that. Oh, I get so mad. You know what? Turn it off. Don't go around that person again. Shut down the seed receptor that's receiving the anger so you stop reproducing anger. And learn how to deal with anger God's way. Amen. With the fruit of the Spirit way. Meekness, gentleness, kindness, love, and give work to the Spirit and let Him begin to do a change. You know, oftentimes, you and I as a believer have been given the answer, yet we don't use it. Why don't we use it? Are we lazy? Is it because we really don't believe the Word of God is true? Or we only want to believe parts of it because it's easy to get to? I'm here to tell you that God wants to touch it. Let's go to Galatians, the ninth chapter. Turn out. 
Anybody know the story? Not good. It, not good. You want to know why? Because sometimes things that are quick aren't good. Here's what we do. Oh, Lord, I need healing. This is my scenes, by the way. These are little manly pellets. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to apologize in advance to the clean crew. It's going to bring these up. Don't step on them. I'm not going to <laughs> Lord, I want healing in my life. I want this disease to go. Oh, Lord, I want you to make my children perfect. Oh, God, my marriage needs so much help. He just don't love me like I need to be loved. I'm emotionally starved. Now, first of all, I have not used one <laughs> scripture. But in my mind, I think I'm sowing seeds. How many of you saw a field as you came to church today? Anybody? Anybody see a field? Okay. Did you see six seeds in that field, or did you see thousands of seeds in that field? Do you think a farmer sows sparingly so that he can only make a few bucks? He sows not sparingly so he can reap a big reward. Is that correct? What if I told you that depression could be receded? What if I told you that anxiety could be received? What if I told you that sickness and disease, complacency, emotional brokenness, molestation, the harm of guilt, self-destruction, shame, could all be received with the Word of God and completely annihilated from your life? That's what the written Word of God says. Here's what I'm asking you. The same belief that you have in this tree. Have in the Bible. Yes. You woke up and didn't gasp for air. Why? Not because there was oxygen pumping through your house. Because God, the creator of heaven and earth, has all this in balance. And you woke up and you took your breath and you're like, it's a beautiful day. And he was faithful. He's faithful. If you'll just use it and throw the seed. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. You want a partial healing? So one scripture. By his stripes I'm healed and never do anything else with it. That's sparing. That's sparing. Every single time your body aches in your body and the devil lies to you and says you have arthritis. Say, devil, you're a liar. Inflammation has left my body. I am bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And God is not sick, and neither am I, in the name of Jesus. I don't receive the report of the Lord. I take this medicine because I believe in the grace that God has given man. I believe this medicine will do exactly what God has commanded it to do. It will have no harm in my body, but it will only do good, in the name of Jesus. Devil, you're a liar. He said that by his stripes I am healed. You need to go get out of my mind. You don't come back with your filthy thoughts. In the name of, you seed, and you seed, and you seed, and you seed. Until your mind is so filled with the word of the Lord that there ain't no room for a weed from the enemy. That when you tell you you're going to die of this sickness, you're going to be crippled from arthritis, you're going to say, devil, you're a liar. Anything you tell me is a lie from the pit of hell in the name of Jesus. But we want to fight in a natural realm. We're not fighting in a natural world. We're not planting seeds in an open field. We're planting spiritual field, spiritual seeds in an emotional field. 
and emotional, a mind and a heart that make up the soul of man. The soul of man, the heart of man can be kept by what goes in his ears, goes in his mind, and lays eyes look at. I promise you, James, the first chapter says, it speaks about trials and tribulations. That if you will endure, press past, don't rush, hang in there. Do not doubt that God's word will come forth to perform that which he says it would perform. That's the word of God. You can't deny it. You can't change it. It is true. It is the truth that you and I live by. Two scriptures, and I'm going to finish. Two scriptures. Deuteronomy 30.19. Let's go there. Deuteronomy 30.19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. He's talking to the Jews. They were Christians. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. That you and your offspring will live. What if I told you that you, everyone in here, could that has children? That's children. I see a little young man back here. I'm like, I don't think you're old enough to have kids. You got kids? Now I'm looking at you, blue shirt. Me? Yep. Oh yeah, we got You did. Okay, what about the boy in front of you, the striped shirt? Nope. Okay, so I'm not talking to you. You got okay, I'm just checking. I'm looking around here. If you've got offspring, do you understand that your choice, here's what I'm gonna do. Ashley, you're gonna be my choice. This is life, this is death. Which one you want? Okay. Then you get life, and so do your kids. Amen. You want to be blessed or you want to be cursed? You choose. Blessing or cursing? Then you and your kids shall be blessed too. That's simple. Just choose it. Just choose it. What if our actions are harming our children? Whole new response to moms and dads, isn't it? Whole new response about what comes out of your mouth. Because now you know you have a responsibility to choose life, not death, for you and your offspring. That's huge. The KJV says, choose life or death that thee and thy seed might live. That word seed can mean offspring, but what do we know that the seed and the word of God means? It is the word. Do you realize that the second you speak death, the seed that you plant in God's? I'm going to prove it to you. Second scripture, Deuteronomy 22, 9. 22, 9. Let's go there. 22.9 You shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seeds. The vineyard of a man and a woman is his heart. You should not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed. Least the whole yield be forfeit. Void. Void. Remember the voided check I talked about? The crop that you have sown and the yield of your vineyard. Yes. If you sow diverse kinds of seeds, that's the KJV word for that, you will get nothing. What? What? Yeah, I do. 
tomatoes and thorns. How many tomatoes do you think you're going to get? Even if you got a tomato, you wouldn't be able to get to it because of the thorns. So here's what we have in our life. We have a double-minded man. A double-minded mouth. A double-minded seed spread. And here's what happens. When we fill it with two kinds of seeds, those that are to bring good fruit and those that are to bring bad fruit, it's only going to bring one kind of fruit. And we see it in the scripture. So here's my challenge to you and I today. It's a simple choice. It's a simple choice. Choose life, you get life. Choose death, you get death. I chose life. Here's my life chooser. We have these at the church. You can also get them from Walmart. Just going to be honest with you. Don't like the name of them, but they work. It's called Mindology. <coughs> Why? Because what's on these cards, I read, and it goes into my mind, and it sits in my heart, and I think, oh, Nicole, this is so legalistic. No. No, what this is, is that this is what I need to do to be diligent, to get the word of the Lord written on my heart, that I don't have to go searching for scripture when a trouble or trial comes. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I got scriptures written in this book. And they tell me I got faith scriptures for when my faith is being tested. I know what it is. And I go straight to my faith section. I go to the last section. Before I taught this message, God started to deal with me on my mouth. Actually, how many weeks did I write on my hand? Quiet. Quiet. And here's why. And I write with the mark with an ink pen on my hand, just quiet, right here. Because you know sometimes when people are talking, I'm just kind of, I'm not there, but I am. But I always hold my hands, and I can see what's on my hand. I'm like, oh, shut your mouth. Just shut up. Do you really need to say what you need, what you think you need to say? Does God need you to say what you're going to say? Are you going to help? Are you going to harm? Just shut up. Sometimes God don't need my help, but I think he does. Right? So here's what I'll tell you. The Bible says that no man can tame his tongue. No man. Guess what that means? You and I can't do this alone. But it does say that the Holy Spirit can help us. So here's what I'm telling you. If all you're going to do is make cards like Miss Nicole, and then start quoting scripture, and think you're going to make it on your own, you're going to fail. But when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, then he's going to help you, and you're going to get through it. So Proverbs 13.4 reminds me that the soothing tongue is a tree of life. But a perverse tongue crushes a man's spirit. Proverbs 31.20 says, says that she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction. That's what's on her tongue. Matthew 15.11. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth. That is what brings the fire. What? Who knew? Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Who would use their mouth to defile another man's relationship? Your tongue is a mighty little member. Mighty member. It says that. The tongue being the littlest member of a big, large body can move an entire ship like a rudder. Ever seen a big cruise ship? I stood next to one, anchor one time. 
banker was three times my size. The thing had to be 20, 30 feet tall. I mean, I'm only on this little hook of the anchor. They couldn't even get it in the picture because the anchor was so big. And the chain was bigger than my entire body. One link was that thick. It was amazing. And when you looked at the back of that ship, just a little rudder about this big, I went, nuh-uh. That little rudder tells that whole big ship where to go. Look how little. Life or death is yours and mine today. And out of a man's belly shall he be satisfied with the fruit of his lips. Can we choose today to let the fruit of our lips be good? Can we choose today to bring life, not just for our own situations, but to our brothers and our sisters, even though we see them struggling? Can we not help each other stay accountable and say, hmm? You want that fruit? You want that fruit, sister? Like, I love you. You're my friend. But you're going to get what you say out of your mouth. Right? Yeah. Today, I want to deal with that. Here's what I want to do. I want today to know that if there's anybody be present that would like. Samara, could you come up and play a little bit? <clears throat> I know that I taught a very practical message. And it's a very do mentality. Because if you don't speak the word out of obedience, you're not going to receive anything that the word has to say. But there's a spiritual process to what I've talked to you about today. And when you begin to speak the words that are written in this Bible to your situation, it begins to change and transform. You don't have to be laden with guilt, shame, rejection, <clears throat> sickness, disease. Listen, there's no emotional brokenness that God cannot fix. Nothing. Nothing. But it begins with you and I being obedient to the written word of God. You and I have been given the access. We've been given the words to say. It's not like you've got to make up your own, you know, report and turn it into the teacher. And if it's okay, then yes, you get healing. <laughs> That's not how it is. Just say what he says and watch it become fulfilled. The instant in season and out of season. Don't let just because you're seed, you're not seeing the response. Oh, well, it just doesn't work. Don't. Stay in the test. You can do it. God's with you. The Holy Spirit's helping you. And before it comes out of your mouth, he'll say, shh, shh, shh. And you go, yes, Lord. The ability to have self-control. Is self-control one of the evidence that Holy Spirit's fruit is with you. Self-control over this member. It don't get to say what it wants to say. It gets to say what God says about my situation. Self-control. See, the devil doesn't need you to do much of anything but do nothing. Because if you do nothing, you just stay silent. You realize when we worship and when we praise, some people feel uncomfortable being emotional, feel uncomfortable with music. I get it. I get it. But do you understand that when you're in worship and when you're in praise, that you're literally speaking the word of God? Those songs are written directly from the scripture. In fact, you can find the songs. We do one called, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up. That's just Lazarus. 
want to do that. We just want to sit there and we just want to allow worship and praise to be sheer entertainment, maybe. I don't know. Maybe we come to see how the worship team is going to do that day. How loud Johnny's drums are ringing. I don't know. I'm just using that as an example. I'm just saying, trust me, we've got the same problem in our church. I'm loud, I'm quiet, I'm not. Reset some of those hard places today. 
And maybe it's just you want to come down and spend some time with the Lord and just ask Him to forgive you for some things you've said. Start new. There's a spiritual weed whacker that God will come in and whack out all those bad seeds. Right. And we start over today. Today. And we choose life. Today and tomorrow and the next day. You know, my marriage was reseeded years ago. And a pastor friend of mine looked at me and was the best thing I ever heard. I was upstairs and I was griping to my father about my marriage. And the man was there and he let me gripe. And then after the meeting, he followed me downstairs and he said, Sister Nicole, Thank you. 